Welcome to Stressless Obsessed, the podcast. My name is Sophie Deans, and I'm here to bring you all things on self-care, self-development, as well as lifestyle tips and hacks to keep your life as simple and stress-free as possible. So let's make a start and join me on a journey of living a life with less stress. Hello, hello again, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Stressless Obsessed. I'm joining you today and I'm joining you a bit later than I would have liked. Um, I've had a bit of a morning. I so happened to have smashed 12 eggs down the stairs as well as a full pot of yogurt, as well as almost falling down the stairs myself and then spent the rest of the morning trying to dig out the yogurt from the crevice of the staircase, which was not ideal. It wasn't how I planned my morning to go. I was actually looking forward to going on a nice walk um, pretty much as soon as I got up. And then I was planning to, um, there was a couple of chores I needed to do, have a drive back, and then I was planning to record this episode and probably would have started a couple of hours ago. But you know what? I guess I could have got really annoyed and I could have got really stressed out that my day wasn't going to plan. But I decided just to take it all in my stride and it isn't the end of the world that, you know, the eggs are smashed. It's not the end of the world that the yogurt's been spilled. So I still went on my walk. I, I needed the walk afterwards. I had more reason to go on the walk um, than to decide, actually, I don't have time now and kind of let something like that screw up the rest of your day. So I still went on my nice walk in the sun. I still got my chores done. And I've just sat down now with um, a cup of matcha, which I haven't had a cup of matcha in about a year. And I found it in the back of the cupboards and thought, why not? And um, I've just been doing a bit more research into it. And I'm, I'm going to do an episode a bit more on matcha and the benefits of matcha. So you'll have to listen out for that. Anyway, I digress. Today's episode is about the importance of sleep and actually I haven't been getting as good quality sleeps as I would normally get I guess the last three nights. I've been without my sleep mask and I have the best sleep mask ever. It doesn't press on your eyes, it completely blocks out the light, none of this kind of bits coming in up through um, near your nose. It's so comfortable, very breathable and I'm actually going to link it in the show notes. So if if you're interested, definitely check that out. Um, But yeah, I've, I've not been sleeping as well. The light has been waking me up and I think because there's been a full moon um, around about the time that I've been recording this episode. So that doesn't help as well because it doesn't get completely dark. But we will dive into those things through this episode. And so 
Today, I want to chat through exactly why I think sleep is so important. And I want to give you some tips that I've picked up along the way, plus some other things that I've read that have helped other people. And hopefully, if if you're needing to improve the quality of your sleep, you'll be able to pick up a thing or two and improve your sleep hygiene and bedtime routine. Sometimes you actually don't realize what you're missing out on until you have it. So you might think you've got a really good uh, bedtime routine and you're getting good quality sleep, but maybe if you make a few tweaks, you might realize that actually you weren't getting as much as you could. So first, why is sleep so important? Well, good quality sleep is known to not only improve your mood, but also your overall brain function. So obviously when you've had a good night's sleep, you're much better at learning and using your memory and your cognitive functions. And it actually helps you reduce your stress levels. So it means that you've got better coping mechanisms um, to cope with everyday challenges. You've probably noticed that if you've really been run down and you've not been getting very good um, good night's sleeps, then it can affect your health too. So it can really affect your immune system and you can end up picking up um, anything that's going around. So, and that can leave you feeling even more run down. I think a lot of us take sleep for granted. Um, a lot of us don't think about it. We just do it um, out of habit. And we don't actually know what a great night's sleep is because we've just been going through the motions for so long. When I say great sleep, I'm actually talking about between seven to nine hours per night. Now, I know some people, I have met them, somehow manage to function on five hours sleep um, and that's all they need. And look, I'm not saying that's wrong. Everybody's different, but most people need at least seven to nine hours per night. I'm one of those people that definitely is in the nine hours. I always have been. I've always struggled on less than that. I mean, there's definitely been times where, um, and recently as well with a puppy, there's definitely been times where I've only had five hours sleep a night. And you know what? I was fine. I was kind of running on adrenaline, I think, in the beginning of the day. But then it will get to later on in the evening and I will just crash. So it's not like I have uh, sustainable energy to keep me going all throughout the day. And um, that would be reflected in a week as well. If you were missing um, a few hours each night, I feel like that builds up. And I've been reading actually about sleep debt and there has been some research that's shown that it can take up to four days to recover from one hour of lost sleep and up to nine days to completely eliminate sleep debt, which I found really, really interesting. So if you perhaps had... um you know, a weekend where you've had late nights, um, as we all do, and then you're feeling really tired the following week, that would be an explanation for it. Although I don't know how scientifically proven that is, it definitely is 
quite worrying um, and really goes to show that we should be um, taking a closer look at our sleep habits. Having great sleep isn't just the length of time though or the duration, it is about the quality of the sleep. So we go through different sleep cycles and your body goes through these different stages during the night and any disturbances that um, awake you during those sleep cycles can actually leave you feeling groggy. Having continuous sleep is just as important as sleep duration. And in my personal experience, when I had, uh, when I first got my puppy, I was still managing to sleep for around about seven hours per night, but it was very broken. So she wasn't able to hold her toilet. So she would be getting up, you know, every three to four hours. I think in the beginning, it might've been every two hours. Um, and I know that even though I'd been in bed or asleep and got seven hours because it was so broken I was definitely feeling exhausted which was then causing my mood to drop I was more irritable I had less patience um definitely felt a lot more stressed and just really really tired and fatigued and yeah pretty much had a shorter fuse (laughs) and then I remember you know, I was really looking forward to the day that she was going to sleep through for a solid seven hours. And that day, I really noticed the difference. I felt like I had so much more energy because my body had naturally gone through all of the sleep cycles and I'd managed to get my deep sleep. And yeah, it just was like night and day. I felt great. I felt really, really good. I was really happy that finally I was able to get a solid seven hours. And that as well felt better getting a solid seven hours than at the weekend if I managed to get a broken nine hours. So I, yeah, that's something I really noticed. Another thing I noticed was after being in a... I guess, seven-year relationship, um, sharing a bed. I would wake up through the night, um, I would go to the bathroom, and then I'd go back to bed. And what I realized is after separating and having um, a massive bed all to myself, I started sleeping the whole way through the night. And so what I didn't realize that because I had somebody next to me you know, tossing and turning, although not perhaps, you know, um, directly waking me up in terms of loud snoring or, you know, knocking me. I think just the presence of having someone next to you can really affect your sleep as well. You're just because they don't, you know, hit you in the head doesn't mean that they didn't disturb your night's sleep. And yeah, I that I noticed that massively when I started um, sleeping on my own, and I know it's what you get used to, and it's not something that you can necessarily change if you have a partner to decide that you want to start sleeping on your own. But there are definitely things you can do to prioritize your sleep a bit more to try and make sure it is a lot less disturbed, even if you think it's not. 
Now, I said I was going to talk to you a bit about sleep hygiene. And sleep hygiene, having good sleep hygiene will really help ensure that you're getting the best sleep possible. And when I'm talking about that, I'm referring to healthy habits, behaviors, and environmental factors. So I've got some tips for you that should help you get a better night's sleep. One of them, the very first one, is pretty obvious. I think you all know it's coming. And it is keep electronics out of the bedroom. I know, I don't do this, I have to say, but I have reduced the amount of electronics that um, come into the bedroom. So if you can do this, absolutely go for it. Leave your phone outside. Definitely do not ever take your laptop into the bedroom. Um, I have a Kindle that I like to read before bed. Um, so that, that helps me. But if you can, and you really should give it a go, then keep all electronics out of the bedroom. And you can always use a manual alarm clock, you know, the ones that um, ring really aggressively and get you out of bed much quicker than, than the alarm on your phone. I actually have one for show, but I don't think I've ever used it. Um, alternatively, there's the digital ones as well. Technically electrical, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Off the back of that, I actually hate TVs in the bedroom. And usually if I'm staying at someone's house, I'm in the guest room or I'm in a hotel and there's a TV in the bedroom, I don't use it. I haven't had a TV in the bedroom, I'm pretty sure for at least eight years now. I find it odd. It seems odd to me. And the times that I have been in a bedroom and there's been a TV on before bed, uh, winding down because my current partner likes to watch TV before bed when there's the opportunity. So I find it really hard for me to wind down and fall asleep because I'm really sensitive to the bright light from the TV, especially in the contrast of a dark room. And I've definitely noticed after eight years of having no TVs in the bedroom that that keeps me awake. So if that's something that you regularly do, then perhaps if you try not to use the TV before bed, at least in the bedroom, you might notice as big a difference as I do in the reverse. What I try to do as well is wind down before bed so I'm not watching TV and then going straight to bed. So even though I'm watching TV in the lounge, I will um, make sure, you know, I'm done watching TV and then I'll go to bed to wind down. And as I mentioned, I have a Kindle that's got um, the blackout screen. Um, so really reduces any blue light. And the same for, I try not to look at my phone, but I do have a blue light filter on my phone as well. So that helps to filter out those um, blue lights that are coming through the screens and it warms them and helps protect your eyes. And to make sure that your, your body's still releasing melatonin to help you relax and wind down for sleep. So another tip is to try and keep your bedroom as dark as possible. So blackout blinds, doors shuts. I use a blackout eye mask as um, 
the bedroom isn't completely uh, blacked out and I don't mind wearing an eye mask. Like I say, the one I've got is really comfortable and very breathable. It doesn't press on my eyes. So I just, I can take it anywhere and it's just great. I actually bought one for my partner as well and he loves it. Our puppy also loves it and has eaten his one. (laughs) So I need to get him another one because his one is absolutely ripped to shreds. So keep them away from puppies. Like I'm not kidding, all of the stuffing has been taken out of it. It's just, it's not ideal. And along with keeping a nice dark room, you want to keep your room as quiet as possible. I know this can be very difficult, at least for me, it is very difficult and it's not always realistic, especially if you have a baby or you've got a puppy like I have and it's more about trying to block out the disturbing noises. So if it is that you share a bed with someone who snores, maybe looking into Uh, purchasing some really good earplugs and you know things like if you're worried that you won't hear your alarm you know there are other ways around that if you've got um, a smartwatch that can vibrate to wake you up in the morning you set the alarm anyway and maybe your snoring partner will wake you up when they hear the alarm or usually you can probably hear some sounds through earplugs anyway I've tried different types of earplugs and for me, the ones that work best are the, the little silicone ones that you can mold into the shape of your ear. I've tried some of the, I don't, they're not really expensive, but they're marketed towards snoring and I don't find they work for me. But then I do have strangely small ears, so that also could be why. Another thing you could do, which I've been trying recently and I have really been enjoying it. I didn't think I would like it, but that's um, either white or brown noise. So you can have a little um, research on that if you want to know more. Otherwise, I will do an episode on this because I found this really interesting. Um, And then I'll be able to share with you some um, kind of where you can get brown noise so you can try it yourself. But overall, you just want to make sure that your bedroom is your sanctuary. It's a place where you feel relaxed to go in. You feel um, like you can unwind. It can't be a place of mess or stress. Um, It can't be a place that you don't like being in. So it should feel relaxing and peaceful It should just have that energy about it and yet definitely keeping it tidy helps. Make sure that you're only doing sleeping in there or having sex. You shouldn't be doing anything else in there. Otherwise, your body will just associate that room with those other things. And you just want your body to, um, your unconsciousness to walk in and realize, okay, it's time for bed time for sleep, time to wind down and that should be specifically what it's used for. I know some people, uh, especially working from home, may not have that space and may have to share part of um, their 
bedroom um, as part of their working space. But what you need to do is make sure you're segregating the room and that you're not working in bed or on your bed. Make sure you have a clear area that is your workspace that you can fully close down. You know, don't leave the laptop up of an evening. Make sure it's completely closed down. I would even suggest putting the laptop away so you can't see it at nighttime. So you really feel like there's a line drawn between where you work and your sleeping space. Mattresses and pillows, they can be expensive, but how often do you purchase a mattress? Well, you should be making sure that your mattress is comfortable. If you need to reinvest in one, if you need to repurchase a mattress, if you're due to purchase a mattress, you need to make sure you're investing in a good one for you. How often are you using your mattress? Every single night. And if that is not comfortable for you and that's affecting your sleep or you're waking up feeling like you've been hit by a bus, you're not going to have a good day. And, you know, looking at the difference between spending, you know, a certain amount on a mattress or a little bit more, I would just pay extra just knowing that you're going to get a good night's sleep. And also, if you purchase cheaper mattresses, they're more likely to need replacing sooner as well. So definitely do your research. Apparently, we should be renewing our pillows every one to two years. And that's to just ensure that they're still supportive and they're free from allergens. And I think for both pillows and mattresses, you should really go in, um, in store to try them because what is good for one person isn't good for another. And some people prefer firmer mattresses. Some people prefer firmer pillows. And just because maybe you're repurchasing pillows for the bed that you share doesn't mean you and your partner should have the exact same pillows because you might be different and waking up with a stiff neck or sore joints. It's definitely going to be um, something that you need to decide on together. Definitely if you've got, um, if you're going to get a new mattress because um, I had that in a past relationship where my partner preferred a softer mattress and I preferred a firmer mattress. So we had to come to a compromise and um, get something that worked for both of us. So it's not something I think you can go by reviews and it's not something I really think you should be purchasing online. Some people be really good at this and that is to have regular sleep and wake times. So keeping your routine, whether it's the um, weekend, whether it's the weekday, whether you're working, whether you're not working, and trying to avoid the temptation of a lying. Very, very difficult for me anyway, because I do love a lying. It's something I'm definitely getting better at. And I definitely find that getting into a routine is helpful where possible because your body just knows when it's going to be running out of energy. It just helps you keep in sync all the way throughout the week. So if you can do that as much as possible, 
that's definitely a great way to improve your sleep routine. And when it comes to consuming foods and drink, definitely try not to eat or drink too close to bedtime. So I would say at least at leave at least two hours minimum and ensure you're not drinking too much because then you'll have to get up for the bathroom in the night. And um, obviously if you've eaten too much, you probably just wake up full and bloated in the morning where you just laid down before your body's had time to digest it. When we're talking about drinking as well, caffeine, a lot of us are big coffee drinkers. I actually gave up caffeine, or should I say coffee, nearly three years ago now. Um, But I still love a tea, so I get my caffeine fix in other ways. But yeah, depending on how you tolerate caffeine will depend how much you should delay or how much you should push out your last one of the day. But I would say you probably shouldn't be having any caffeine after 4pm otherwise it will affect your sleep for that night if that still seems quite difficult for you maybe see if you can reduce it by an hour and see if you notice any difference with your sleep Alrighty, so moving on i actually wanted to give some tips with your wind down routine as well so it's not all about the bedroom and how we get there it's all about what we do to prepare for bed as well um so for me i prefer to shower at night time i really like the fact that it gets me away from my laptop gets me away from the tv and the blue light and i get nice relaxing warm shower to wind down i get my comfy clothes on and you know if you've got the time and patience to run a bath that's even better If you've listened to a previous episode, my episode on magnesium, you can soak in magnesium salts in a bath and that would be even more amazing for great relaxation. Some other things that might help with your wind down routine are having um, a cup of chamomile tea or other herbal tea that doesn't have caffeine just a couple of hours before bed. You can light a candle as well if that's your vibe. So you've got the dim light going. It's nice warm light. Much earlier in the night with my dinner, I actually have half a magnesium supplement. And um, that helps to wind me down, relax, makes me sleepy and it helps me get a good night's sleep. Um, But obviously, if that's something you're looking to do, definitely check in with your doctor first just to see if you're able to do that. And there's other options as well, such as using um, the dermal magnesium spray, which you spray directly onto the skin, and then it's absorbed through the skin, which I also use. And I've mentioned in a previous episode, it can sting a little bit, um, but you definitely get that relaxation feeling and can get you ready for bed. Reading is also very good for winding down, especially if you're trying to avoid the blue lights. Reading from an actual physical book is ideal with a warm lamp next to you, perfect. I use um, the black or the the dark mode on my Kindle, so um, that helps me wind down and I read that in bed and I'm sleepy within 5-10 minutes of reading, so that definitely works for me. 
To me, it feels like meditation, but that's another one that people have reported helps them wind down for sleep, is doing a meditation before bed. There's lots of meditations out there specifically for sleep, and you can do those to get you and your mind to slow down, unwind, and ready for sleep. Lavender is also really good for relaxation, and I've been spraying lavender essential oils onto my sheets before bed and I've probably been doing that for about five years and obviously it makes the room feel and smell more luxurious, more like my sanctuary but lavender is useful for easing any stress so if you are going to bed and you are feeling stressed you want to alleviate that to enable you to sleep So lavender essential oils are always useful for that. And there are lots of different types of pillow sprays you can get that have lavender, but you know, they also have chamomile as well. And I find that's really useful. If you're really struggling with stress and getting off to sleep because you've got a lot on your mind, brain dumping has been really helpful for me in the past. And it's basically journaling but you're just writing down everything that's on your mind all your worries so that you're not going over and over them as you're trying to relax down and I've also found journaling um, from journal prompts really helpful because sometimes um, you're feeling anxious or stressed but you're not sure why you might be feeling overwhelmed and because there's so much you don't know exactly what it is You can't quite pinpoint it and I found journaling can really help and also help you feel more positive depending on what the prompts are. Some people like to keep a pen and paper by the side of their bed and I think that's good because if there's anything that comes up as you're going to fall asleep, you're probably thinking, I hope I don't forget that by the morning. And the more you think, the more awake you become. So I find it really useful. So I've heard that it can be really useful to keep your pen and paper there. And then you can jot those things down, let them go. And then you can relax into sleep. I mentioned meditations earlier, but um, I've also listened to nature sounds in the past as well. So rainforest sounds, the sound of rain, you can get those on uh, any of the platforms you're listening to um, this podcast on and they can just help you relax when you're feeling uptight, even during the day, it doesn't have to be while you're sleeping, so you might want to do this before you fall asleep or you might want to leave it on the whole night to help you um, relax and fall asleep. I've been really lucky in that I've never really seriously struggled with insomnia but obviously as most people have I have had um, certain situations and stressful times that I've then been struggling to be able to get to sleep or I've managed to fall asleep but then I've woken up in the middle of the night anxious or stressed and then I'm getting even more stressed that you know, I'm counting down the hours that I've got until I wake up and that stops me being able to get back to sleep even more. So I can't 
I can't give any solid advice on people that really seriously struggle with insomnia and I definitely recommend that you should seek proper professional advice on that but some things that I found useful when I've actually struggled getting back to sleep is I've worked out that either I've been a little bit hungry and not realized so I've had a little block of cheese and then try to go back to sleep I know they say cheese gives you nightmares but I found it's something that's just small and easy that I can eat and it will fill me up quite quickly and then I can go back to sleep. I also sometimes get headaches. So if I have an ibuprofen, that's helped me get rid of my headache and then I'm able to go back to sleep. That's usually like a tension headache, you know, the ones that really feel like they're pressing on your skull and you just can't get back to sleep because your eyes are hurting. Also migraines as well. Um, So that's something that has stopped me being able to sleep in the past. Also, if you have poor circulation like I do, if my feet are too hot, I cannot sleep. In summer, I have to have my feet sticking out the doona. If my Yeah, if my feet are too hot, I literally have to go into the shower, rinse them with cold water and then just let them dry on their own so they kind of cool off. I don't know if anyone else has had this problem, but I would love to hear if it's not just me that has that strange issue. The most important thing is that I've got a solution for it. Well, I know it's not always as simple as those things, but who knows, maybe give a couple of those things a try and explore if there's anything else that your body's needing. Um, If I can recommend anything, I would say if you can't sleep, get up, get out of the bedroom. Even if it means reading on the couch for 10 minutes, half an hour, don't sit there and lie there unable to sleep. I think that's the worst thing you can do and you will probably continue lying there a lot longer. I think it's about accepting that you can't sleep, getting up, doing something different until you feel tired and then trying again. And definitely not stressing about um, if you have to get up in two hours or kind of catastrophizing that oh no, I've not had that much sleep and now it's going to ruin my day. I've got a big presentation. I'm going to be awful because personally, I found I've tr- when I've actually tried not to focus on what I've got in front of me, it's been fine. And I've actually ended up having more or just as much energy on those days. Like I said at the beginning, probably driven by adrenaline earlier on in the day. Um, But it's something I think it's all about your mindset and how you deal with things, not about the situation. Well, anyway, that was a big episode, double what the usual episodes are. So sorry if this is a bit longer than what you're expecting, but hopefully you've got a few ideas that you can take away that you're not doing already and then see if this helps you get a longer sleep, a deeper sleep, if you wake up with more energy 
And I'd love to hear if you try any of these and what happens. Love to hear your feedback. And also if you have any tips that I haven't mentioned because I am always all up for improving sleep. Not everything works for everyone. Not everyone can do all of these things, but just DM me, let me know your feedback. I wanna hear all of your sleep stories. Thanks for lending me your ears and have a great sleep. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, stresslessobsessed. And thanks for listening. Until next time, breathe and stress less.